Welcome to Dark Corners with David Allen Boyles. With this episode, we begin the third season, Wraiths of the Appalachian, Episode 1, Shaking Loose. New episodes of Season 3 will be posted on a weekly basis every Tuesday at midnight. And now, without further ado, Dark Corners presents Episode 1, Shaking Loose, which begins with a very special prologue. Chapter 1. Shaking Loose Eddie threw the duffel bag onto the back seat of his VW van with one hand while shoving the guitar case under the seat with the other. He winced as he heard it bang against the metal, but shook his head and moved on. He slammed the side door shut, stomped around the front of the bus, and jerked the driver's door open. He slid behind the wheel and jammed the key into the ignition almost as one movement. The engine roared into life. But when the transmission groaned in protest as Eddie attempted to shift into reverse, he jerked his hand from the gearshift knob as if it had shocked him. For Christ's sake. Eddie took a deep breath and held it for a moment before exhaling slowly. He depressed the clutch pedal again and carefully shifted into reverse, this time without incident. Hadn't done that since I was 16, he thought as he backed out of the parking space in his apartment complex. But then I haven't been this pissed since I was 16 either. Eddie's cell phone vibrated in his pants pocket. He fished it out and glanced at the screen. When he saw it was his boss, he killed the call and tossed the phone onto the passenger seat. I got absolutely nothing more to say. Eddie's resignation speech had consisted of two words, and they weren't, I quit. He had left Alan red-faced and sputtering, standing in the front of the paint department holding the fluorescent yellow vest Eddie had thrown into his boss's chest. In less than an hour, 
Eddie had stuffed a few clothes and a shaving kit of toiletries into a duffel bag, grabbed his favorite guitar, and was out the door. He'd stopped his rushed packing only to dash off a quick note to Renee. Sorry not to be here when you got home, but I've got to take off for a while. How long? A day? A week? Maybe more than that. I just don't know anything right now. Today was the last straw with Alan at work. But it's really more than that. I know I've been hard to live with for the last... How long has it been? You'd know best. But I need some space to clear my head. Hate to just leave a note, but I didn't want to upset you while you were at work. I'll call later. Love you, Eddie. I do love you, really. That's the one thing I do know. The cell buzzed again, and in spite of himself, Eddie glanced over at it. Alan, for Christ's sake, let it go. Eddie looked up just in time to slam on his brakes to avoid hitting a large black dog that was sitting in a patch of bright sunlight in the deserted neighborhood road in front of him. Eddie sat and stared in disbelief with his heart still pounding at the wolf-like figure that sat before him. He stuck his head out the window and yelled, Go on, fella, move it! The dog did not even blink, but simply sat and stared. Eddie hit the horn for two loud blasts and yelled again. The dog didn't flinch. Eddie shrugged and pulled the bus around the animal, which remained sitting in the road, tracking Eddie's movement. Eddie returned his gaze as long as he could, then focused again on the road to exit the Havenwood neighborhood. A glance in the rearview mirror showed that the dog was still sitting and watching, but it had turned to reposition itself as it watched Eddie leave. Eddie shook his head and drove on. As the familiar traffic light indicating his entry into the business district drew closer, he realized that he didn't have a clue which way to turn. So where are you going to go, hotshot? Eddie slowed to a crawl and pulled into the right lane. A right turn here was the quickest way to the interstate. Getting the hell out of Dodge was definitely the first goal. Being on the road felt right, but the on-ramps to the interstate were coming up in less than a mile. Eddie turned on the radio and winced at the country song that immediately filled the van. One of the downsides of his favorite alternative stations was that its range of music was much more inclusive than Eddie's. Keeping his eye on the road, he reached across the dash to turn the tuning knob on the vintage radio to find something more in line with his tastes. He'd been tempted to replace the old model with a full, kick-ass audio system, but it was one of the few remaining original parts on the 66 VW bus he'd inherited from his father, and Eddie hated to lose any of the precious few material connections with his dad that remained. Amid the snippets of advertisements, static, and music even less acceptable than country, he heard something that made his eyes widen in surprise. Hello, Eddie. Static followed. Eddie rolled the dial back slightly to see if he could catch the station again. That's it. I've been waiting. He lost it again. The tinny voice he had caught again wasn't coming in clear. The connection seemed poor, with static crackling. He moved the dial again and the voice broke through, although static still interrupted the voice intermittently. There's something wrong. Eddie turned the knob again to see if he could get the station to come in clearer. Just leave the dial alone and listen. Eddie's hand froze and hovered inches from the radio control knobs. Eddie? 
The voice was tinny, with pops and crackles that threatened to drown it out at any second. But the signal seemed strong. Eddie's flesh crawled. It was weird enough to think that his name would break through from some random broadcast, but to be addressed directly... Eddie Bowen? What's the matter? Cat got your tongue? What? What is this? How are you... Hold your questions. You need to get in the left lane before the next light. You can tell where I am? Eddie asked. Yes, but you need to turn left on Kennedy Drive. Get in the left turn lane. Eddie looked around frantically at the other cars around him to see if someone in one of them showed any sign of being the source of his incoming signal, but everyone seemed intent on their own driving. Eddie, get over now! Eddie checked the mirror on his left and pulled into the turn lane as the voice had directed. Eddie let out a sigh as he stopped behind a blue pickup that was waiting at the red light. The cars in the lane he had just left slowed to a stop as the light for them changed to yellow and Eddie looked over again to see if the person addressing him on the radio might be in one of those cars. How are you doing this? My radio isn't a two-way. When only silence followed, Eddie spoke again. Who are you? And why did you plant a microphone in my car? There will be time for questions soon enough. For now, just follow my directions. Why? Why the hell would I want to do that? Eddie shouted. A dark-haired young woman in a red SUV frowned at him and Eddie felt his face flush. He knew he must look like a lunatic. Clearly he wasn't just singing with the radio. You have a plan of action, then do you? Eddie felt a twinge of resentment that this voice took on such a tone of familiarity as if they had a friendly relationship that allowed for sarcasm. The light turned green and Eddie followed the pickup onto Kennedy Drive. Okay, got any suggestions for which lane I should be in? Eddie asked. The right lane will be fine. We'll be traveling for a while on this road. For a while, Eddie repeated. So where are we going? How do I know this isn't some plan to direct me out to the boonies where someone will jump me? You don't, the voice said simply. When it didn't respond further, Eddie blew out a big breath. After a few moments of silence had passed, Eddie asked, so who are you, anyway? I'm known by many names, but no one knows my real name. Knowledge of a name is power, and I choose not to offer that. Some people call me Diego, others Diablo. I've also been known as Dentalian, or a slight variation, Dentanian. But you can call me Mr. D. Very helpful, Eddie said. How about answering something more specific? Where are you? Right here, with you. Eddie sighed again. Okay, will you at least tell me where we're going? We'll be heading out of town, but you might want to grab some food for the trip. Something you can cook on your Coleman stove. How did you know I have a... Eddie cut himself off. Never mind. Of course you know what I've got. You checked it all out when you hid the mic silence. Eddie had stopped for another red light and saw that a burly man in a worn red baseball hat was staring at him with narrowed eyes. Eddie gave him a weak smile and a little wave and turned his gaze straight ahead. When the light turned green, he spoke again. So you want me to just pull into an Albertsons or Lowe's Foods and grab some stuff to grill for a camp out? Suit yourself. 
You'll be approaching Apublets very soon. Will you be joining me? I'm with you now. I mean for dinner. I won't need any food. But you might want to have some extra, especially the meat. Eddie's eyebrows shot up. Well, that's a little cryptic. And disturbing. But you're saying I'll have company on this little outing? You'll see. Eddie drove on in silence for a few minutes before speaking again. What happens if I just ignore you? What makes you so sure that I'm going to do what you say? What if I just turn the dial, find some music, and forget I ever heard you? That's always your choice. Will you keep following me? Obviously you're able to track me somehow. I keep telling you I'm with you now. Eddie frowned and spun the knob on the radio. He rolled through several snippets of DJ talk, gospel music, and jingles for ads until he heard the comforting, familiar strains of rock and roll. After only a few bars of the song, the radio crackled with static, the music cut off, and the familiar voice returned. What are you running from, Eddie? Okay, I get it, Eddie said. You've got something that just overrides my radio. I don't know how it works, but eventually I'll drive out of the range of your signal. If you say so. The sign for Publix came into view and Eddie debated whether to turn in or not. It was creepy that Mr. D knew where he was, and he hated to comply with anything the voice was asking him to do. But since he had no other plan, and he would be camping wherever he traveled on this impromptu trip, this escape from the shrinking, locked cage his life had become, he pulled the van into the parking lot and parked. Twenty minutes later, he was filling his cooler with ice and the perishable food he had purchased and stowing the other food into the boxes he always kept in the back along with his camping gear. As he put the steaks in the cooler, he shook his head, questioning why he had bought two of them. Who will be joining me at the campsite? Eddie knew it was foolish to follow Mr. D's directions, dangerous even, but something, not just his curiosity, but something else he couldn't quite define urged him to see where Mr. D was leading him. Eddie started the van and flipped the radio on. He was surprised and a bit relieved when he heard the voice of a talk show host talking to a guest about UFOs. But then, after a burst of static, Mr. D's familiar voice broke through. T-Bones! Nice choice! Eddie felt the skin on the back of his neck prickle. It's pretty creepy being surveilled like this, you know, Eddie said as he drove to the exit of the parking lot. I've never had a stalker before. Can't say I care for it. Would you rather go back to the discussion about UFOs? Maybe. Suit yourself. Just make sure you make the turn onto 64 heading west. Where are we going? In Pittsburgh. We'll pick up 902 and head toward Bear Creek where you'll be spending the night. Bear Creek. That sounds interesting. What's in Bear Creek? Besides bears. You'll see. And what happens if I decide to just take my stakes and head somewhere else? That's totally up to you. And you'll leave me alone? I didn't say that. So you're going to annoy me into doing what you want? Eddie got only a crackle of static in answer. They rode in silence for a while until Eddie turned the knob on the radio. When he heard the sound of a blues guitar, he settled back into his seat. That's more like it, he said aloud. He drove on for about 20 minutes, enjoying the radio until he saw a sign for Highway 902. He slowed the van down as he thought about whether to turn or simply drive through the light. At the last minute, he shook his head, 
sighed deeply, and pulled into the left lane. You win, Mr. D. The radio crackled and the music stopped. It's not a competition, Eddie. Whatever. I've got to see where this thing's heading. What's next? Just keep going on this road for about another twenty minutes. I'll tell you when to turn. You better, because it'll be dark soon. I'll need to be finding a place to camp. I've got you covered, Eddie. They drove on in silence as the shadows of the trees and road signs grew longer until Mr. D spoke up again. Turn right at the intersection that's coming up, but be ready to take the road that forks off to the left almost immediately after that. Eddie did as instructed and laughed when he saw the marker with the road's name. Devil's Tramping Ground Road, really? We're almost there. Let me get this straight. You're actually going to have me camp out on the Devil's Tramping Ground. The radio remained silent. I came out here once with some friends when I was in high school. In the same bus, as a matter of fact. We got some college kids to buy us a couple of six-packs and we thought we'd hang out and see the Devil. Mr. D did not answer. But you're going to have to tell me where to stop because I'm pretty fuzzy on just where it is. Eddie reached over to tune the radio, but he still got only bursts of static. He sighed, then pulled out the knob on the dash to turn his headlights on, more to make himself visible in the waning daylight than to see the road. He had a while before it would be dark. In just a few minutes, the radio popped and crackled and the voice said, Pull over and park in that bare spot to the right. Eddie did as he was told and sat with the engine idling. Okay. Now what? You'll see a path on the other side of the road leading into the woods. Follow that, and you'll come to a clearing very soon. A perfect place to camp. And just leave my van here? No way! Your vehicle will be fine. Are you kidding? If I'm lucky, the cops will tow it off before it gets vandalized. Your vehicle will be fine. It's protected. Protected? By whom? The radio was quiet. Eddie sighed and beat a little drum roll on the steering wheel. Okay, I've gone along this far. Might as well go all the way down this rabbit hole. But what exactly is supposed to happen at this campsite? Who am I supposed to meet? When Mr. D still did not respond, Eddie shrugged and killed the engine. He got out of the van and walked to the back to reach the supplies he had stowed there. He pulled the steaks from the cooler and put them in the plastic bag with the baking potatoes he had bought at Publix. He tugged two bottles of water and a single beer from the six-pack and added it to the supplies in his backpack. After a pause, he grabbed another beer. He said I might have company. The weather was mild enough with no threat of rain, so Eddie left the tent. I ought to be able to carry everything I need in one trip. Looking into the middle of the van at the guitar case under the short middle seat, he frowned. Moisture damage or theft? Which do I risk? Eddie separated the grill from the camping stove and grabbed a blanket from the back along with his sleeping bag and set those items on the ground with the cooler. He shut the back door, checked to see that it was locked, and carried the goods he had gathered around to the side where he set them down again to open the side doors. He retrieved his guitar, threw the blanket over it, and set it beside his other gear on the ground. That should do it, he thought as he shut the doors and tested the lock. If I end up needing the whole stove, I'll come back for it. But I shouldn't have any trouble finding rocks to set the grill on. A real fire beats sterno cans any day. 
As he leaned over to pick up his guitar and gear, a long shadow from the setting sun slid along the asphalt to stop beside his own. Eddie straightened and turned around to see who had approached so quietly, but no one was in sight. A chill ran up Eddie's back. Aside from the mystery of how someone could disappear so quickly, Eddie could have sworn that the shadow had two large swirling horns. Well, dark friends, that's all for this week's episode of Wraiths of the Appalachian. I hope you'll join us next week as Eddie's story continues with The Devil's Tramping Ground. By the way, did you know that The Devil's Tramping Ground is a real place in North Carolina? Nothing grows on this patch of land where legend claims the devil plans his evil deeds. I don't recommend that you try to find it. Best just to take my word for it. And Eddie Bowens. But no spoilers. All the music for this podcast is created by dark ambient musician Mombi Yulman. You can stream the music that inspired this entire series, the album Wraiths of the Appalachian, at mombyulman.bandcamp.com. You can also find more information about the podcast, as well as much more spooky content by joining us at the Dark Corners Facebook group. And if you'd like to learn more about my other works, you can visit my official website at davidallenboyles.com. See you again soon in the Dark Corners. <laughs>